Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome into the producer's party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. In studio today, the same five from yesterday in a slightly different configuration. To my left, in action, Jackson Burkett. Marshy Marsh and the Playful Posse. In the producer's corner today, it is Grant Francis. Good morning. Good morning. This is weird, I'll tell you. <laughs> and Bradford Runs, <laughs> Mr. Reliable, is behind the board running the show for us today. So, everybody, last show for everybody in the building this week. Jackson, thank you again for coming uh, in the middle of your vacation for these two shows. But last show before we head into the New Year's, how's everybody feeling? I feel great. Uh, what a year it was, 2023. What a big year ahead, 2024. And we get to start it all off with a cotton bowl this evening. Boom. Boom. Am I fired up? Are you going to be sitting in your apartment? Like, are you going to be live streaming the game? Hold on a second. This is Jackson we're talking about. Again, he went to Ledoux Horton Watkins. Uh, When does the PJ depart for (laughs) Dallas is the real Mm, question. Ah. Well, it's a fractional, obviously. Yeah, obviously you share it with, you know, know, some of the other high rollers in the city. If you can be anything, be efficient. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be leaving uh, 6P. Get there quickly. Wow, that's a you're yeah, kind of just close. pull up right field field access. Must be nice. No, I'll be watching at uh, at a local establishment with my friends. So right. you're not going to be flying directly to the stadium, getting <laughs> off like Michael Jordan did with the Tune Squad, right? No, right I'm, onto the field. I'm actually the 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 guy with the with the jetpack on the the fly guy who flies in through the top of the stadium. And okay, I just, I just you're gonna lie. be like the guy in the Creed halftime show who flies in with the angel wings. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I'll be calling the plays today. today gotcha. Actually, yeah. Drink, drink. Just texted me. Make sure you uh, air the ball out. How about that twin bill that we have on the docket this evening? You have the Marvin Harrison-led Buckeyes O'Wait going up against Mizzou. And then Blues on the ice, too. We've got some interesting goings on at Enterprise Center when you consider, and we'll get into this a bit more in the next segment, the rate at which the central leading avalanche have actually been plummeting of late, especially on the road. Some interesting trends there. Hmm. So the avalanche are plummeting. The Blues are doing well. So the avalanche are going to win this one 4-1, to right? Likely, yes. I'm just, I'm I'm trying to be... uh, I'm not crazy, am I, Grant? That's how these things go, yeah. All right, we're no, going to be talking We're going to be talking a lot of blues coming up at the 15-minute uh, mark of the show, but here we're going to break down some of this Mizzou talk. We just had Howard Richards on the opening drive a little bit earlier for Mizzou offensive lineman and current Mizzou analyst, and he's just talking about how the players are locked in. What's, what's happening over there, Marsh? He's just talking about how these players are locked in for this game. Obviously, from the Ohio side, I think both from the fan base and obviously from some of the decisions made by the players, you can understand why the intensity isn't coming from the Ohio side. But I really do think Mizzou gets this win, and it's legitimately one of the biggest feathers in their caps in the post-Pinkle era. I don't Take away the fact that Harrison's not playing. Take away the fact that the quarterback's transferring from Ohio State. A win tonight is a legitimate thing when you talk about continuing to build this program for the Tigers. I... I will. I, I'm. I'm going to disagree. Not to be like sports radio guy, but the season, like the season, the season, they went ten and two. Like no one thought they were going to be ten. They're over under was six and a half. They went ten and two. I think an ex, let's call this what it is an exhibition game against Ohio State doesn't validate them, nor does it take anything away from the incredible season that they had. I agree that it would be awesome to cap it off. Probably finish six or seven. Uh, in the standings, 11 wins is awesome. 
and I think it'd be great. I don't think any recruits or any transfers are saying, well, if they lose to Ohio State, I'm not coming. It's, it's not, again, it's not, you, you, you took the, the, the negative half of everything, and, and first of all, none of this is, is, an, is a sign on this season. Like, losing this game doesn't take away anything from 10-2 and two season. I'm just talking about continuing the momentum that sure. you've built up. I That's why I think winning this game matters. Just, and it, yeah, again, you lose, none of the negative comes with it, but there's still the positive side that comes with a win, I'm saying. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's continuing the momentum as well as the mentality at large and rock off the top you alluded to this the fact of the matter is that Eli Drinkwitz and this team for over a month now the whole program has been all about trying to preach the ultimate buy-in and given the preparation that we have seen given the fact that this team yes you're going to be without Ty Hopper at linebacker you're not going to have a couple of players on defense there are zero opt-outs and in this day and age Grant we talked about it yesterday in the office before yesterday's program it's so rare to actually see that and to see a team like Mizzou which does have that firm eye on the future this could well be the last time that we see the Tigers even take this sort of all-in approach because if you get to that hallowed hallowed ground next year if you consider yourselves going into the season a playoff a surefire playoff contender and participant this is maybe the end of that line as far as everybody going all in for the bowl game because the aspirations the goals they just become higher and higher from here absolutely and it feels like this should be one of those games where Mizzou comes out firing like what was it uh, for OSU? They sold, what, a third of the tickets they yep, had available for tonight's line. game? Mm-hmm. So, like, this feels like a game that it's going to be all Mizzou coming out of it. The, like, they should be on fire to start this first quarter tonight. And for Ohio State, I think it's going to be tough for them to get going in this just because of that. The intensity is not going to be there. It's going to be hard for them to get the intensity there because they're not used to playing in a game that ultimately doesn't matter a whole lot to them. So, I mean... I, I don't see a situation where Ohio State comes out and really takes it to Mizzou. Maybe it's a close game, but I don't see Mizzou getting blown out in a game like this, something you'd expect in Ohio State-Mizzou. Like, if you said Ohio State-Mizzou was going to be a matchup at the beginning of this season, I don't think very many people would have faith in Mizzou to win a game like this tonight. I think Mizzou blows them out tonight. Like you said, this game means more for Mizzou than it does Ohio State. And, I mean, I think... Coming into the year, if Mizzou were in this situation, I would have been like, oh, yeah, like Mizzou playing Ohio State. There's no way that this team gets up and they beat Ohio State. But this this year feels different. I'll be the first person to tell you I did not have faith in this football team heading into the season. Jackson did a great job at uh, convincing me as well as the team on the field. But <laughs> no, it was me. It was you. It was you. It, it wasn't it had nothing to do with any of the guys that uh, went out there and went 10 and 2 on the year. But. I, th- this game just it means so much more, and I will be shocked if they if they do lose. Oh wow, you get five and a half points. We got a text guy here coming in from the six three six. Unfortunately, Mizzou and their fans are treating the game like the Super Bowl, and the Buckeyes consider it more or less like a scrimmage with no meaning. Straw and, man, and, and, and yeah, first of all, it's really fun just to like create that narrative from the get go, just so that when you lose, it's not a big deal. But by the way, a couple <laughs> things there: if Mizzou lo- wins this game by multiple touchdowns, Ohio State fans will bitch and moan <laughs> about their head coach going into next year. I guarantee you, because by the time that everyone's talking about what are the expectations for Ohio State in like June and July, they're going to completely ignore all the actual variables about this game. And they're just going to look at it as, we lost to Mizzou by 14. So Ohio State fans coming up with this preconceived notion is hilarious to me. It's been from day one. I'm not shocked. And by the way, this whole you're playing Mizzou Super Bowl, 
again, try a new angle. Mm, that, yeah, that's that's a terrible slant that's been said by thousands upon thousands of weirdo Arkansas fans from the backwoods. I don't know why I'm hearing <laughs> it on the text line today. Well, they, they should be upset at Ryan Day for reasons that have nothing to do with this game. Probably more so to do with the fact that they can't beat Michigan. Bingo. That that should be the problem. I think that if they have any issues, it, it'll be from things that happened outside of this game, and this might just be the cherry on top of why they are upset. I do give OSU more than a fighting chance. If we're looking at game matchups, though, and looking at those who will be available on the field personnel-wise, the layoff, there is something to be said for that. You haven't played since Black Friday if you're Mizzou, and this is an offense still largely predicated on timing. Ohio State's defense, regardless of who's going to be out there, even at the second level, and maybe the leading tackler Eichenberg plays, maybe he doesn't. He was out there versus Michigan. We don't know that. In a cornerback such as Burke, you're going to have a pretty legitimate shadow so that if a burden, if he is marginalized somewhat, Cody Schrader is going to have to put in, I think, another Herculean game, not saying he can't, against that front four to really set the pace for Mizzou, be able to sustain possessions, string together first downs. That's what I'm really going to be looking for tonight. 106 yards away from uh, breaking Tyler Beatty's single season rushing record. Too. Oh, yeah. so he's, but we've we've heard from him before from some uh, some mic'd up audio that he does not care about records. He cares about wins and losses. What, what do you think their their game plan is tonight? Do you think they'll they'll stick to the ground game or do you think they'll they'll air it out and maybe go play action and and Just, toss it up to Luther? They'll establish the run. They'll probably run some gadget plays early uh, and then eventually seeing how the secondary looks and air it out. I think Luther is going to is primed to have a, a big year next year, so I think he's going to want to get out strong. And I mean, they're the off- the offensive line this year has been. That's what I'm most excited to watch to see because when I watched the Ohio State Michigan game, both teams were just grinding for three, four yards to get on those defensive lines. I'm curious how Mizzou's offensive line, who has dominated some of the best rush defenses in the country fares against a Big Ten juggernaut. Right, like right now, uh, looking, looking at a FanDuel, you don't get uh, you don't get um, underdog bets on Cody Schrader's alternate rushing yards until what plus one twenty five. Everything else like that is is your you're yeah. giving up money. So I mean, I, I think we're going to see a huge rushing game from this team. You think, think he breaks the record? I think he I think he breaks the record. I think part not because he cares about the record. I think I just think that one of the biggest flips that switched for the Missouri Tigers. And I know we've heard a lot of talk about Brady K- Cook's confidence. But undoubtedly, I think one of the flips that switched this season was the offensive line found the groove. Yeah, and I, we, we talk about that a lot. If you 100%. can just get the same five-man group going for a whole season, you can become a, an offensive line more than any other unit in football can become more more greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're seeing right now with Mizzou's ability to run the ball, especially in Howard Richards talked about this on the opening drive, on the left side. You, you, you get behind, you get behind uh, Delgado, you get behind Foster, and you absolutely Absolutely tear teams apart. I think that's what we're going to see from the Tigers. Today. And rock by extension in the second half of the season, this offense did take on a completely different dimension with the added element of Norfleet underneath. Not only for tonight, Boy, talk about he, X factors, yeah, but next season He's with special. him as a sophomore, think about how much more layered this offense could become. And tonight, he is a matchup problem. Make yeah. no mistake about it. When that switch was made after the ill-fated Stevens performance, oh. and you allowed your offense and Cook to place more trust in Norfleet dynamic. Hey, real quick before we get out of here on this segment, where do you think Mizzou comes into the season ranked next year if they win tonight? Still so many question marks on the transfer portal, not just for Missouri, but across college um, football. 
I would think in they've got to be top ten, right? I would say top well, yeah. fifteen. I would say top fifteen. Like thirteen or anytime, something like that. Tim and I talk about this often. Anytime you're doing preseason rankings, you're now six months, six seven months removed from the last season, and now you're looking at brands. Like if you're deciding who's the 14 spot between like a Texas A&M and a Mizzou, who do you think they're going to pick? They're going to pick A&M. And to Jackson's point right now, below Mizzou in the rankings, uh, just looking at teams that could jump them, you know, who are right now around them. Oklahoma's at number 12. You tell me Oklahoma jumping, Oklahoma jumping to like eighth wouldn't shock me. And then another one I think that, uh, maybe could kick Mizzou out because Mizzou's sitting at 9 right now. Notre Dame always just gets so much damn pub. They're sitting at 16 right now. So that's two teams that could easily jump up, not even depending on what they do in the bowl, could easily jump up just across the hype of the next 6-7 months and be above Missouri, even if Missouri gets a win. But, with that said, I think they beat Ohio State the lowest they should be when you consider all the other extenuating factors, who they're losing, who they're bringing in. I think the lowest they can be is 12. Wow. You you think that they uh, consider the schedule? When when they uh, when they're doing the preseason rankings, is I don't know about you guys. The, I look at the schedule next year; it's definitely not as no. tough as this season. But for we sure. don't. But we still don't know. Like that's the thing. That's and that's what the committee or the people who decide the rankings will have to. We don't know what. I mean, Mizzou's got Auburn. What is Auburn going to look like next year? I have no idea. That's they have, fair. They have, they have all these teams. Oklahoma. I don't know. What they, we don't know what they're going to look yeah, like. We don't so know what it the looks minute, like. The schedule's yeah. easy, but maybe it's not. I mean, the Minutemen of UMass could be that's really the one good that really, too. I'm nervous about the trip mm-hmm. to Amherst, Bradford. Tough I'm very atmosphere. nervous. Tough setting. Yeah. Yeah, playing at Kirkwood High in uh, Amherst. I'm I mean, very if you, nervous. If you beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, I think you can get away with maybe not having to do a home and home with UMass across no, the I think the uh, home and home with UMass is going is to bring a lot more of the Northeast yeah. to, to the mid Missouri. They're going to take a look at the, at the beautiful columns. They're going to say, we want more of that. And they'll have a, a ton of celebrity guests there, too. You know, Kale McCarr, who yep. plays on the Avalanche, went to UMass. So. It, it could be a daunting, yeah. a daunting Affleck, task for Mizzou Damon, next season. Wahlberg, they'll have all of the Boston Kale guys. Car plays on the Avalanche? Uh, Cole Komet. Cole Komet. Yeah, I was like to say, you got confused there. Cole Komet is actually the dominant defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche in St. Louis tonight, not, not Cole McCarr. Cole McCarr, a tight end for a very bad uh, Bears franchise. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Right here, Marshy. Right here. We're right here, baby. Bears for game. 10-16. It's so big for Jackson Jackson. I'm so proud of you. And in fact, what a better way to lead us into some hockey, to- hockey talk. The Blues with another big home game tonight facing off against the Avalanche. Also a big game on Saturday as they travel to Pittsburgh to face off against the Penguins. We're talking Blues on the other side. This is the producer's party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back into the producer's party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. Jackson Burkett, Andrew Marsh, Bradford Bruns, Grant Francis. I'm Matthew Rocchio, and we're going to be taking you up to 11 a.m. before we hand it off to BK and Ferrario. And here we're going to be talking a little blues hockey. I know that BK and Ferrario will be talking plenty of it because the blues on a little bit of a streak right now, and they have two huge games back-to-back. They finish off a run at home against some top teams against the Avalanche tonight before heading off to Pittsburgh to face off against the Penguins. Bradford mentioned it earlier uh, to start the show about the Avalanche. While seemingly this may be a bad time for the Blues to catch a team like this, Avalanche haven't looked good over the last month or so, and this could be uh, a game where the Blues can continue their hot streak against some good teams. Matt, to your point, the Avalanche have actually been strikingly bad on the road as of late. They've dropped six straight, and Grant, we've talked about on so many occasions really 
a team that is built on offensive punch galore, and yet the defense collectively has been absolutely atrocious in those six games. So the last six games that they have dropped on the road, they've been outscored 26 to 15. And in only one of those instances, did they actually permit fewer than four goals? So you're seeing a team that is in flux, especially when taken away from the Mile High City. And the crazy thing about that, too, is that if you look at teams in that time span, those six games, Colorado's like third worst in the league in terms of goal scored. Like you said, for an offensive team, that's crazy. And the opponents they're going up against aren't exactly juggernauts. Like they've played Arizona in that stretch, Chicago, uh, Arizona again, Anaheim. Like they're losing to these caliber of teams. And it's shocking. I, I didn't realize before you brought that up, Brad, for today. I know they've been struggling a little bit, and they had that. Well, they, they blew a four goal lead in their last game in Arizona and lost that one five to four in overtime. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they had been this bad on the road over the past six games. Yeah, let's actually go back to them post-Thanksgiving. They've played the Coyotes four times. They've lost three of those four. They've played the Jets twice, lost both of those. And they've played the, and they also have losses against the Ducks, Kings, Flyers, Blackhawks, all in that run. I mean, it has not been good for them post-Thanksgiving. But again, we're, we're riding high right now in the Blues. They look great. I, I, I'm just you know playing with how the roller coaster has gone with the Blues. I said it earlier in the segment. This just feels like it might be the, the game where the Blues do slip up because they're going against a team with more talent who absolutely needs to you know get get a kick in the butt and start playing the way they they, they know they can. Well, I look back at uh, and obviously this has nothing to do with this season, but in 2021-2022 the Abs were on a four game losing streak towards the back half of that season, and then they played the Blues and won five three, and then went on to win the Stanley Cup. So like I don't really care how bad this team is playing at any given moment. They do have better talent on their team. So the Blues need to come ready. I, regardless of how the Avalanche are playing right now, I don't think that matters. The Blues can't overlook their opponent, especially the Avalanche tonight. So they need to bring their A game and, and play the way they have been playing, but definitely limit the the turnovers. We saw last game, Justin Falk unable to get the puck in, and then Dallas went down and scored. So it's little things like that that could end up costing you the game. And the Blues definitely need to keep what they've been doing on the power play. Obviously, the five on three didn't really help but they have been building momentum i think utilizing the power play and scoring some goals tonight will be key in winning tonight's game honestly marsh i would rather have seen colorado win three or four of their last six on the road because i think this is going to be a team that's going to be pissed off coming into tonight yeah in a rivalry game a team that's struggling especially not only losing their last six on the road but losing in the fashion that they did in arizona a couple Mm -hmm. nights ago I think this is going to be one of the most difficult uh, games of the season so far for the Blues tonight. And honestly, I don't expect them to win tonight. If they win, I think it'll say a lot about this team and and the direction that they're heading. But I don't expect them to win a game like tonight. Honestly, what I expect and, and what I would want to happen tonight for the Blues is I just want to see them play a respectable game. Like we, We've heard Doug Armstrong say it multiple times. It's not about the fact that we're losing. It's how we lose. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if this team loses tonight to a good Colorado team that has better talent than the Blues do, but they've got to at least play a game that's respectable and bring the compete level tonight. And speaking of those trending in the right direction, you haven't played this team, Grant, since back on Veterans Day. 
two straight games essentially early in the month of November. And at that time, individual performance aside, Jake Neighbors one is exactly in the same sort of role that he is right now. This is a litmus test type of situation, having once again potted another goal the other night. And now with the way in which his role is evolving, his importance to the team, it's going to take a collective effort, obviously, this evening. But you love to see what he can do in the spotlight in this sort of situation this evening. Well, and I think tonight and tomorrow will tell you a lot about where this team at, is at under Drew Bannister. A lot, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, is this the honeymoon phase? When is this going to come to an end and, and this team go back to the way they were? I think these two ta- two games will tell you a lot. We've talked about what Colorado is going to bring tonight and what that's going to tell you about. But you got to travel tonight to Pittsburgh tomorrow and play a team that just beat the Islanders who have been cooking, beat them seven to nothing the other day. So Pittsburgh's been rolling. These are two tough games. I think this will show you the mental strength these next two games for the Blues. Grant, I, I like what you said there, both both in your, in your previous comment about you know showing up in these games and not, and not necessarily being all about what the final score is because while we look ahead at schedules, you look at the Blues, starting with Dallas, it was a straight run of nine teams above 50, 50% points. So, you know, winning teams in the, in, in the NHL, and you have a streak of eight against them, again, including nine when you include the Dallas Stars. So, I mean, this is a crazy run for this Blues team. And again, just seeing a consistent amount of effort and these games being closer, I think if we're sitting here going into the two games against the Capitals, which is their next below 500 team that they'll be facing on the 18th and 20th of January, I think we could have a very different perspective of the Blues. In fact, if they have big games and they show up against the likes of the Avalanche, the Canucks, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, <coughs> I wouldn't be. I don't think it'll be crazy to talk about this team making a playoff run. What do you think the Blues have to do in this stretch of games? Like, what are we what are we looking at in terms of? record-wise to where you're at the point where you're thinking, okay, this is the team that I can believe down the stretch. And I'm not going to say they're going to win a playoff game or whatnot, but like you have confidence in this team at least making the playoffs. Is there like a certain record in this stretch that will give you that kind of confidence? 500. See, for me, like they've been 500 all year, though. But 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 those were, there were a lot of letdowns against bad teams. In splash games, like heck, the, the double uh, hat trick of the last time they faced off against the Avalanche when they won eight to two, you had splash games. You, you went consistency. So if I mean, if they're close and they just happen to drop a three two game to the Canucks here, but they come up with a four two win against the Panthers at home, I'm I'm okay with that kind of roller coaster. When you're talking about how difficult this schedule is, I don't think a record is honestly going to tell me much. And the reason why is because I look at last season, the Blues went on a seven-game win streak after they went on an eight-game losing streak, and everybody thought, okay, they're back. They're fine. Seven-game win streak, they're back to around 500. They'll be fine from here. And we obviously know what happened last season. I don't care if this team is below 500 in this stretch. Obviously, you'd prefer them to be a winning team over these next you know stretch of games. But if they're losing games to good teams, but they're in every single game, I would rather see them lose six of the next eight games in a competitive fashion than win five of the next eight in a way a way that you got the win but you didn't feel good about it. I'd rather them see I'd rather them be losing and playing well than than winning with bad efforts. And to that same point, however the distribution in net, however the workload gets distributed, you want to see the same thing, whether it's Bennington or Hofer, competitive representative efforts when you go into the unknown against some of these upper echelon Eastern Conference teams. However it breaks down, and in all likelihood you're going to see number 50 this evening, but if that 
sort of workload gets more evenly distributed that we see, perhaps we end up seeing that 60-40 share that was hinted at or promised early in the season or before the campaign. That's what you have to see in net two. Great. So, you might agree with this too. Uh, not only, you know, we're looking at the team building, but like some of the younger players we we saw last game, Scott Prunovich, two assists, Jake Neighbors put up a goal. He's been having a fantastic year. Joel Hofer played outstanding. I think seeing your young guys start to build in this stretch will be key for this team throughout the remainder of the season. No, I I 100% agree with that. That's what this season is really all about. Yes, you want to be competitive to the point where you're pushing for a playoff spot by the end of the season. Even if this team doesn't make the playoffs, the season can still be a win if you're developing those young players and you see the progress. Like, Look at what Jake Neighbors was last season. He was up and down between the NHL and the AHL. This season, he's, he's night and day different. We talked about it yesterday, how Neighbors has the same amount of goals as Connor McDavid this year, which is wild. Like, if you're seeing progression like that, no matter what happens this season, it, it's kind of a win for this team if you see players progressing. And, and if you look over the next you know stretch of games here, talking about what you'd like to see as a record, Colorado, better team than you, more talent. They should win that game. Pittsburgh, even, I'd say. Blues could win that game. Vancouver, better team. Carolina, better team. Florida, probably a better team. The Rangers, better team. Bruins, better team. Flyers, they've been playing really well. Like, mm-hmm. If you win three of those games and have good efforts in the yep. other ones, I see that as a win. I love that. And really quickly before we finish up this Blues talk, I wanted to throw out uh, a note. Yesterday we talked about Jimmy Snuggerud having a hat trick for the United States teams really early. <clears throat> but... Not the only Blues prospect that's showing out at the World Juniors. Otto Stenberg from Sweden put up a hat-trick in their 5 nothing win over Germany yesterday as well. So a lot of texts we're getting today. The kids are all right. Good job by Army. We, a lot of criticisms for the front office of the Blues, obviously, for this season. Maybe a lack of flexibility in the roster. But one thing we've been talking about the last few years is maybe not having enough young guys coming up through the pipeline. It appears they've gotten that figured out. A, a league-high seven players of the World Juniors, and you already got two hat-tricks from two of them. I would love to see Jimmy Snuggle in this lineup. I know you look at last season and you see Matthew Nyes come up for Toronto. He had an impact and they played on the on the same team together. I would love to just see what he could do on them. Now, I know he's probably not there just yet. Obviously, he, he looks great at World Juniors, but man, to have a, a young guy and it's, it's sort of like how I, I felt about Mason Wynn. Like, I just want to see him play. I want to see what that looks like on the Cardinals. I want to see what Jimmy Snuggerud, I mean, Dalibor Dvorsky too, man. He's been, he's been great now. Ooh. A little bit different situation there in terms of if he can that, play or that's not. Close. I believe he had, uh, I believe he had two goals. Yeah. Uh, he had yeah, two okay, goals okay. and two assists today. He, he had four oh, points. Okay, I was, they haven't updated the box scores on the, on the juniors website. Yeah. I, I was wondering, we got some texts earlier. I knew there was another blues prospect, but I didn't have the stats in front of me. So Dalibor Dvorsky, another one, two goals, two assists. I mean, the prospects are killing it right now. Yeah. I will say though, with Dvorsky, you see that there's a lot of time Time that he's going to take before coming to the NHL level. Slovakia had outscored their opponents nine to two in the first two games that they had this this World Juniors. Dvorsky was a minus two. Like that, that's kind of hard to to do. Um, what I will say is that Dvorsky's been amazing in the faceoff dot through two games. He was like seventy five percent and led all players at the World Juniors. Um, but but you got to remember too that Dvorsky 
is a young 18. Like he's he's not just 18. He just turned 18 like a couple months ago. Yeah. So he's going up against players that have had a little bit more experience playing at this level and he's getting better. You saw the four points today and the two goals. He was a plus one. So it's looking better for Dvorsky as well. Yeah, a lot of hockey talk here. We get a great message on our YouTube stream from Eric. Although Jackson isn't the biggest hockey guy, his flow would look sick sticking out of the back of a hockey helmet. That's so true. Um, I appreciate so, that. That's really true. You know, probably the most important thing we've talked Talked about during this segment. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Feels great. And in fact, you know, that's a great uh, lead-in actually, because uh, in the in the next thing where we talk about Jackson Burkett's hair is going to be our main main subject. Mm. Has it reached its full potential, or is there more to go? Huh. Uh, talking, uh, actually, talking to some NFL on the other side of the producers' party. This is 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. St. Louis, this is the producer's party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. Unfortunately for all of you, you on the YouTube chat, we'll not be talking more about Jackson's hair, but if you are watching the YouTube chat and the Air Alliance Alliance team uh, cameras, Jack, can you do a little flip for me? What do you mean? Do do a little... Yeah, do a flip. Do a little little hair. A little of this. Oh, baby! I should have warned the chat before you did that. Oh. I saw a picture on Twitter last night of a of a fellow just flipping his hair, nice hockey hair flip with the water bottle and everything. I don't know if if that even compares to what we just saw. See, my hair isn't thick. Like if you look at Matt Rocchio's hair, like you could stick a pencil through, like the secretary <laughs> in Paris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Mine is more similar to like a, a horse's mane, very wispy, mm. thin, a stiff breeze knocks it right over. Uh, so there's a little difference there. I yeah, don't think I can have the flip ability. Great variety. I will say that across the board, gentlemen. How about this versatility? It's an incredibly good looking show. Let's just be 100% honest yeah, about cute it. Cute boys. <laughs> and, and you ruined it. You know it. what? New, new name for the show. <laughs> cute boys talking NFL. Because that's what we're doing in this segment. Last night, a odd, big, important. I don't know what the exact adjective I should use for the NFL game last night. When the... Cleveland Browns took down the New York Jets 37-20. to Another big game from Joe Flacco. He hit the fourth highest amount of passing yardage in a single calendar month in NFL history behind a few big names. And I think my favorite, and just an incredible moment last night, Joe Flacco's my favorite story. We talked about it yesterday. After that game, he's got to be your comeback player of the year. He's got the Browns locked in at the number five seed, the first wild card in the playoffs, and I think they really could do some damage with him under center and that defense. His odds skyrocketed after oh, last night's game probably oh, yeah. because of us talking have, about oh, absolutely it. are you kidding me even though i was saying baker mayfield should be the uh, comeback player of the year but last night joe flacco was unbelievable i was watching that game and i was like i don't know if it let's just say jacksonville is still at that four spot 
I don't think the Jaguars beat the Browns in, in the playoffs if that's the matchup. You don't want to see Cleveland at this stage, and the defense will travel as well. Think about as the weather worsens, that defense is going to be the calling card for this team. And at the same time, Grant, we talked about it before the start of the show last night. Flacco, he puts up 300 yards again. He puts up three scores against the Jets' defense, mind you. And fun fact here, right now during his illustrious tenure as a Cleveland Brown. He is only 59 yards shy of posting the same number of career passing yards that one Johnny Manziel threw for <laughs> during his entire stretch. That's, Isn't that crazy? It, it's so wild. And I have to look it back up again, but Joe Flacco is right now like top 60 in Browns history out of like a hundred and something quarterbacks in single season passing yards. Mm. And he's played five games. <laughs> That's stupid. Well, how about David Njoku too? Yeah. He's unlocked David Njoku. I mean, I had that guy on my fantasy team. He wasn't doing anything all season until Joe Flacco shows up. And Joe Flacco, for whatever reason, has been able to galvanize that city and made them a playoff team. But every year, not not to the level of the NHL or even Major League Baseball anymore, but there is a difference between the NFL regular season and the postseason. And I think the biggest difference is with quarterbacks. So, yeah, we know what the Browns' defense is. We know it's probably going to be an ugly game, however it gets played. But do we really think that coming off the couch Joe Flacco in a playoff game isn't going to make a number of mistakes against a, a relatively talented defense like the Chiefs or the Jaguars? He's been I, there. I can't, I can't imagine it. Yeah, he's been there, but he won a Super Bowl because Raheem Moore can't play a ball in the air. So I'm just wondering, are we? this is who we're buying into as making a, a playoff splash? I just think this is where the, the shine kind of comes off with a lot of these guys in the past. I mean, a lot of great regular season quarterbacks, but there's a big difference between when you can get it done to win playoff games. I really like, I think we talk about comeback player of the year. Marsh correctly using the term galvanize like that. Oh, I like mm. that. Yeah, where the day calendar with that one? 10 points. I don't, by I the should, way, I should um, make one. yesterday when we were talking, Hamlin was, minus, Hamlin was minus 220. Joe Flacco was plus 240. Hamlin's down to minus 170. Flacco up to plus 140. And Baker Mayfield has fallen off from plus 300 to plus 1200. Mm, that's right. all it's us, a, gentlemen. It's a two-man race. That's all us. I swear, if DeMar Hamlin wins this, and again, nothing against him. It's awesome that he came back after what happened to him, but they should just rename the trophy the DeMar Hamlin Participation Award. Oh, my God. And again, no no offense to DeMar Hamlin. No, of course not. (laughs) But seriously, like you can't honestly give this to him if it's a football award. You can't. Hmm. I, I, I agree with Grant 100%. Not mainly, mainly not how you phrased it, because, man, just go that straight to the guy. That might be a, might have been a little bit ma- mean, but, you <laughs> know. Characteristic like, of you, Grant. No, hey, Jackson, are you yes. almost depressed if you're a Cleveland Browns fan thinking about the state of the quarterback situation in 2024? Am I depressed yeah. about it? I've probably Ooh, been depressed. For <laughs> you're, a Brown, you're a Browns fan. I've probably been depressed for about 20 years with the uh, with the quarterback situation. So I think it would just kind of be numbing at that point. You know, uh, I think Sean's just kind slinging of, it. Well, while we're talking about playoff expectations, I want to I want to shift this over to the NFC really quick because we have two other teams that have clinched that I have big questions about going into the playoffs, and that is right now the um, Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys, which they could very much be setting themselves up for a matchup later on in the playoffs. But I think both teams obviously have problems. The Lions' defense, if, if Aiden Hutchinson isn't getting there, they can lead to some very high-scoring games. And the Cowboys are a, a very inconsistent team as well. 
your guys' thoughts. If the Lions are the Lions going to make a run through this playoffs, and if it gets to, let's say, an NFC Championship game against the Niners or the Eagles, are you giving the Lions a fighting chance? Yes. 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 Against a 100% healthy 49ers team. Trent Williams is in there the entire game. Christian McCaffrey is 100% healthy. Debo is too. You think the Lions have a chance to take down the 49ers? Sure. It's the NFL, baby. Anything can happen. Not to mention Jared Goff has gotten to a Super Bowl before. There's a chance. He is his coach. Okay. Dan Campbell, bite your kneecap off. Fire up. What up, Jack Fox? It's a marginal one, though. (laughs) And here's why. I do not. Sorry, Jackson. I don't trust Jared Goff in cold weather climates. I just don't. The body of work is there. Here's what I do like and why I say there is a bit of a chance because that running attack, which has done nothing but progressively improve as the fall and as the winter is entering here, not only the explosiveness that you get from a Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery is still giving you more of that thunder-lightning sort of tandem. This is one of the NFL's best rushing attacks. If you get the push from the O-line in this right sort of situation, the right matchup, the Lions could compete. Long-term, I don't know. No, but right now, some confidence. I, I would give the Lions a chance against the Niners, by the way. I don't think I would pick them or put money on the Lions to beat San Francisco, but you can see the path that they have to take. Detroit is fourth best in the NFL in terms of rush defense this season. Yeah. They've allowed the fourth fewest yards. If you're able to take away Christian McCaffrey, which is not an easy thing to do, but if you're able to limit him and make Brock Purdy a little bit uncomfortable like what happened in that Baltimore game, you see the path that Detroit can take to, to win that game. Well, right now they're they're slated to play the Rams. If the season were to end today, which would mean that they would take on Matthew Stafford, former Lion, at home. I see the Rams winning that game. The Rams are playing good ball right now. I just, the, the Lion, Jared Goff, I don't know what I'm going to get from him each game. He could throw, he, he could turn the ball over four times. And Dan Campbell, again, he he's galvanized this group. <laughs> of the day. Boy, twofer. Yeah, there you go. And, but, but, but the thing is, is that his, his decision making is untrustworthy. I, I don't know what I'm going to get from their quarterback. And I don't know what I'm going to get from their head coach, especially in a playoff game when the stress level is through the roof. I agree with that one, and actually, I know, I know, I was, I was, I was crapping on it a little bit earlier, but I do legitimately think that people uh, don't just don't know the names of the players on the Lions defense, and therefore think it's a bad defense. You have Aiden Hutchinson, no, everybody knows, defense. but Ifiati Melifon, who moved to safety this year, has been one of the best safeties in the entire NFL. Jerry Jacobs has become one of the best uh, nickel cornerbacks in the NFL. They don't have the big names that everyone talks about, but that defense. Could could bring it to it, and again, if if Trent Williams is just a tad bit below what he usually is, you just put Hutchinson over on the on the left side of your defense, and that completely changes the game. We've seen it. If either Debo Christian or Trent Williams is is nicked or slow, the 49ers are a different team, and it's it, really any one of those three changes a, a whole section of that 49ers offense and makes it vulnerable. Now, if all three are healthy, I just don't know if there's a team, even the Eagles, that can stand with the 49ers right now. Mm. Even with Brock Purdy's mistakes, I'm chalking that one up to a throwaway late in the season. I'm, you know, Peyton Manning threw six picks against the, the Chargers yeah, one time. I mean, I I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm chalking that up as a throwaway for Purdy. I, I think 100 healthy. The, the 49ers are, are the cream of the crop in the NFC because look at the Eagles. I mean, there's they're a solid team. They have a great roster, but they're 100 percent playing at 75 percent of what you would expect right now. Yeah, you mentioned the Cowboys too. They're absolutely losing in that first game last year. They went to. Tampa Bay and lost, or I'm sorry, they won against Tom Brady, right? Yeah. This year, Baker Mayfield's going to go into Dallas and beat them at home. Oh, Ab- wow. Absolutely. Oh, I, I like the hot takes there. So, no. Oh, I mean, Grant started I was off with no, some strong takes. No I'm also going to jump in there. Consider me galvanized. Man. <laughs> well. What are you on tape delay there, Rock? No. <laughs> 
I know I've made these zingers locked up, brother. <laughs> moving parts, moving I was, pieces. I was reaching trying, the bottom of my bag I was here. trying to react to you saying the word galvanized for the fourth time in one segment. It was really, really <laughs> shocking my system. We got to take a break. Coming back on the other side, we're going to close out the 2023 year with our 2024 Predictionary, looking at some of the local teams here on the Producers Party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, it's not the New Year's yet, but we're getting there just a couple days away here. This is the producer's party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. We're going to bring you our 2024 Predictionary. Each of us has two predictions we're making about the sporting world going into 2024. And just like... uh no, I'm going to say unlike yesterday, we're going to completely flip the script. Jackson went fifth in our draft yesterday. So, Jackson, I'm going to give what? No, I didn't. Oh, no, you had the, you had the middle spot. My, yeah. my apologies. Sorry. I Marshy, fifth. Marshy, Marshy. Marshy had the hot corner in our draft. My apologies there. It's just the great hair confused me. Thank um, you. Needed that. <laughs> blinding. Thank you. Yeah. So, Marshy That's had the skin, fifth pick. Though. So, I'm going to give it to Marshy. He's going to have the stage right now to start off. Give us your first of your 2024 predictionaries. So, I think the cards are going to go into the month of August with a so-so record, and I think they rattle off a nice win streak, and the cards get their devil magic back this season, squeak into the playoffs as one of the wild card teams, and uh, maybe even win that first round. That's what they want you to think. (laughs) <laughs> You're just reeled right back in, aren't you? I'm feeling good today. Someone said something about me and my my uh, visions, and maybe one of my visions uh, will come true. So hopefully it'll be this one. I believe. But listen, if Marshy's ever positive about the Cardinals, you bet on whatever he's talking about. Because if, if the Cardinals somehow got Marshy to be that positive, <laughs> something is going on in the universe, and you need to ride that wave. I'm feeling good today. I'm, I'm shocked. feeling real good today. I'm shocked. Jackson, let's go to you for your first predictionary. My first one is that... When the Heisman Trophy is being awarded, Luther Burden will be in, in attendance. I'm not that. saying he's going to no, win the I Heisman. Love that. I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman. It's hard to win as wide receiver. We all know that. I will say he will be in New York for the ceremony for the Heisman Trophy. He is next season's Marvin Harrison Jr. Why not? Yes. I, when I watch Luther Burden, I, you know, a lot, you watch a wide receivers, you're like, oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good player. When he catches the ball, you can see the difference. And putting him in the slot... Was a was a brilliant move because it gives him a lot more leeway, a lot more wiggle room to do what he wants while still being a deep threat. You gave yourself the nasty. out. You gave yourself the out there of saying he'll just be in attendance. But if he does end up, good, though. if he does end up winning it, you're taking all credit, right? Of course, yeah, of course. This is radio, brother. As you should. All right, Jackson, and if I'm wrong, I never said it. All right, Grant, you've learned how to hedge. So here's your first 2024 prediction every okay. year. Um, I'm going to go with something that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, Bama beats Texas in the college Ooh. football championship. I know a lot of people aren't going to like that. Um, I totally agree. About I that. love that. Yeah. Though. No, that's, but, that's but exactly I, I what think, I'm thinking. I think Bama and a Texas rematch, and I think Bama's going to get revenge there. Yeah, All I right, agree. Bradford, what do you got? Cardinals for me, too, but I'm focusing on one specific individual, none other than the man who will become a second-year sensation, Jordan Walker. Mm. He is poised for the breakout campaign. You're going to see it to the tune of 25-plus dingers, more than 100 runs batted in, and when the Cardinals marshy, if they are in contention, 
contention down the stretch, vying for a wild card spot or the division, he is also going to have a premium position in the lineup. Bold prediction, top four hitter by season's end. Ooh, top four hitter. I like yeah. that that one right there. And I'm going to go with my first one. And this is a, a I'm with Marshy. I'm, I'm going to be oddly positive, despite the fact that it really goes against who I usually am. My prediction area right now is all three major St. Louis teams will make the playoffs in 2024. The wow. Blues are going to make a run. They're going to be a wild card team. The Cardinals will slip in, probably in a bad NL Central as the division champions. I'm going to call, I'd say, 87 wins in a pathetic division. And I think City just keeps on rolling. They make the playoffs for a second year in a row. That's my first one. What about the Battlehawks? Too. I'm not, I'm not, that's uh, when when wow. I when there's a schedule guy. and I have a date for a sing- any game. I'll 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 put that in the in the prediction. I mean, Rock if you're not sitting Hawks. 400 section. At the Battlehawks game. Just, are you a true fan? It doesn't sound like you AJ's are. AJ's not coming back. I'm not so sure. Here's the thing about being a true fan of a lot of sports. I can go right now and find out when get their next game is. Just saying. Your next, Marshy, your second predictionary going into 2024. Uh, I will be traveling to St. Paul, Minnesota, April 11th for the Frozen Four as my North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Terrible name. <laughs> are in the Frozen Four, and they'll win the national championship. Right now, they're ranked four. Their last ranking was number one. They got a good squad this season. They're 12-5-1. So I like my North Dakota squad to go to the national championship this year because I need that in my life right now. All right, Jackson, Luther Burton in attendance at the Heisman ceremony. What is your other 2024 predictionary? I've been I've been jumping out the gym for this guy for a long time because I think his stuff is filthy and I think it takes a little longer for lefties to develop and I really really like him. Matthew I Libertor. think this is the year Matthew Libertor takes a big jump and becomes an established pitcher because Lord do the Cardinals need one of these young guys to step up and become a good pitcher otherwise you're going to get more Lance Lynn and wow. Kyle Gibson. That would be huge, Grant. What do you got for us for your second one? I'm going. The Blues do make the playoffs as the last seed. They fall to Vegas in the first round, and I also have the other wild card team in the West being a comeback from. From the Oilers. Okay. I like that one. I like the Oilers call, especially Bradford. What's your second one? On the day we look forward to Mizzou taking on Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, let's spin it to 2024. The Missouri Tigers, before they reach a bowl contest, before they reach the college football playoff, will attain 11 victories. One loss to Alabama, knocking off Oklahoma in the regular season, and the Tigers make it into the final eight at minimum next year. And they host a game? I wish wish we could have finished the show with that one, because I love that one. I got a much lighter one. My prediction for 2024, Aaron Rodgers starts less than eight games for the New York Jets. I thought you were going to say he's going to go on another darkness retreat. No, Aaron Aaron, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, that's that's, that's, that's pretty common. Yeah, Yeah, that's a guarantee at this point. I could also say Aaron Rodgers is going to take some kind of psychedelic drug um and that also would have been pretty much a guarantee um so yeah i'm gonna go aaron Rodgers plays less than eight games for the new york jets this next season so that's what's coming up for 2024 really quickly anybody have any new year's resolutions there they're going to be starting on january 1st Mm. That's the correct answer. Thank you, God. Thank none of you. Mm. You are all too young I to be like. Well, one. I really need to start this thing today. You can do it in mid January. You can do it in May. Just you know, better, just better yourself, Jackson. I'm you gonna try do it right now. I'm gonna try to eat more fennel. Well, you're gonna have some more fennel in oh, 2024. It's gonna be the year of the fennel. I'm not positive what fennel is. I think it's a plant, but I'm gonna have more of it. Well. Everyone, as we go into 2024, let's try to remember to keep Jackson honest about eating more fennel. That's the final point from the producer's party. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. For Action Jackson Burkett, for Andrew Marsh, for Grant Francis, Bradford Bruns, I'm Matthew Rocchio. This has been the producer's party on 101 ESPN and 101ESPN.com. Next up is BK and Ferrario. Happy New Year, St. Louis.
You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.